So as you turn now to the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, this mini-series that we're in on spiritual warfare, this being the second part in the enemy's plans, we'll pick up in verse 10 here in Ephesians 6. And I want to remind you that God himself, as we've already seen, has a perfect plan for your life. Matter of fact, Scripture says that before you were even born, God foreordained the, the works that he would do through your life so that you might walk in. You're his poema. You're, you're literally the handiwork of God. And so God has this perfect plan for your life. Now I can tell you, even though the enemy is a defeated foe, Christ defeated him on Calvary's cross, he has not given up on his central plan, which is trying to destroy God's plan in your life and in God's people in this world. And so we are in this incredible battle, this spiritual battle, because the enemy's not a quitter. He's going to come after you. He's going to attack your family. He may attack you with the job. And I'm not talking about you seeing a personal manifestation of Satan himself, but it may come this way. Maybe something that you're going through is purposed by the enemy to try and get you to quit. Maybe he's attempting to get you to say, well, that God thing just isn't working out so well for me. And so he throws a trial your way. And all of a sudden, you just, it's like, man, is God even real? The enemy has plans. And they are not good. They are evil. They're the opposite of Jeremiah 29, 11. He intends to do you harm. And he's very good at disguising what he does. Now notice here what it says, verse 11. Finally, my brethren, so this is the last portion. Paul's now slipping into this, this whole context of spiritual war that we're still in a fight. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. And notice what he says we're supposed to stand against. The wiles of the devil. The devil's methodia. The devil's schemes, the devil's plans, the, the devil's cunning craftiness, his absolutely divisive, evil plans that he has because he knows he's been defeated. The cross was his warning sign that his days were numbered. So he's now about to af- try and afflict you as much as he possibly can. And so as we embark on this little mini journey this morning, the enemy's plans, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. It indeed, Lord, we do stand in the promises that greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. We, we realize that that is a truth and that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. But Lord, we also know that the enemy seeks whom he may devour, that he wanders about this earth as a roaring lion, that he is a liar a deceiver, he is a cheat, he is a thief, and he has come to kill and destroy. And so, Lord, make us wise to his plans. Unveil them, Lord, so that we wouldn't step in them, so we'd be able to not only withstand them, but to actually fight the good fight to win. And so, God, bless us as we study now. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You see, the enemy's poisoned plans, he, he, he has this, this Greek word that he uses, And it's interesting to me that all of the major cults 
<coughs> and I'm talking about Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Christian science. Most of the major cults that are alive in our country today actually had their foundation in Methodism. John and Charles Wesley would be turning over in their grave. You could do such a thing. You can't because they're in heaven. But they, they would be absolutely shocked because those cults have taken from the enemy this thought process. Well, if I just kind of tweak it and make it a little deceptive, I, I get them sucked in and, and it kind of looks like the truth. You see, the enemy doesn't come to your door and go, Hi, I'm Satan. And I've come to kill you and your family. He doesn't do that. Matter of fact, he masquerades as an angel of light. He even looks like maybe he's even a Christian. He plays church better than anybody plays church. And he does not fight fair. He absolutely will feed the world lies, and he has been doing so since the beginning. You know what the original temptation was, right? You, Adam and Eve, shall become like God. <coughs> What's the cry of secular humanism? You're your own God. There is no God. There is a God, it's you. The enemy is crafty, and he uses deception, deceit. Now, I want to pick on one this morning because I think it's important to see exactly how crafty the enemy is. I realize there may be some here that will take offense to the fact that I'm going to pick on the Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. But I'm sick to death of Christians telling me that they believe that the Mormon church is a Christian church. They have believed what is perhaps the greatest lie that's being perpetrated by the enemy today in the face of the evidence. And the reason I'm doing this is there are a lot of people who do believe that Mormons are Christians, and here's why. Because when the missionaries come to your door... They don't say, hey, we think God is an exalted man and he's one of Satan's brothers. They say, do you care about the family? Are you patriotic? Do you love America? Do you have, is there any problems in your family? Can we help you with those? You, you see, the enemy is crafty in his wiles. And so he paints a cult, which is what Mormonism is. And yes, I'm on record. Mormonism is absolutely a cult. It uses unbiblical doctrine to an unbiblical end and extra-biblical writings that supersede the scriptures themselves. Why am I telling you this? Because as you sit here this morning, they're going to be in your neighborhood. And they're going to be knocking on the door. Hi, I'm Elder Jeff. And we'd like to share with you about Jesus. <coughs> the only problem is it's not the same Jesus. And if you don't think you should be worried, 
Let me give you this little tidbit. We have an awful lot of people in our church whose history, whose relatives live in the Polynesian Islands of the South Pacific. So if you happen to be here and you have relatives who live in Tonga, 42% of the island nation of Tonga is now Mormon because the church was asleep. 36% of Samoa, Mormon. 24% of American Samoa, Mormons. Because pastors won't stand up and say, they're not teaching the gospel. Amen? It's another Jesus. You see, because my Jesus didn't say that he failed the first time. He, in fact, said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, oops, I blew it, so I'm going to come to a guy in upstate New York, and I'm going to deliver him some golden tablets from underneath a pile of dirt. He's going to take those back, put on some special glasses, cram his head in a hat, cover it with a sack, and then translate them into King James English, when it had been dead for 200 years. And yes, I'm making a little bit of an issue out of it for a reason. Because all that aside, they're preaching another Jesus. It's not the same Jesus that that your Bible tells you about. And they do it very deceptively and the enemy is very effective in this deception. Check some of these things out. The Mormon church set aside $550 million last year for advertising. Piped straight into your living room. You've seen them around Christmas. Don't they look wonderful? Beautiful pictures of Jesus. All kinds of wonderful family photos. You you see, the plan's quite effective. What's their message? It's not that individuals could become a god, which is what they actually teach. It's not that temple rituals, that you need to have your marriage sealed in the temple. It's not that you need to be baptized into the Mormon church to make celestial heaven. It's not that Jesus and Lucifer were brothers. It's that we hope that you have a wonderful family home evening. We want your kids to be safe. We sit here today, almost 50% of the Boy Scout troops in the United States of America are hosted by Mormon churches. You know why? Gives them inroads into the family. Very effective advertising. They bombard the public with Christian-looking values. Probably many of you, you know, BYU, yay! Did you know that the BYU football games, basketball games, as well as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, as well as the BYU dance team, their performances and their games are broadcast all over the world for free into third world countries as a way to say, oh, you've probably seen our students on television, haven't you? Oh, did you see our basketball team? Did you see our baseball? Did you see our football team? We believe in family values. You see, it looks Christian. 
They use goodwill ambassadors. They use that, oh, well, we just want you to feel good thing. Look, Satan plays on your emotions, gets you emotionally involved, and, and then tries to get you to dismiss the truth that you're a sinner and that you need a savior for the sake of feeling good about where you're at. And so as we think on these things, one of the things that you'll see, and by the way, just so you know, my brother-in-law is a direct descendant of Joseph Smith. We've had some conversations. He's now saved, by the way. He's going to heaven. Abandoned the Mormon church. Praise God. One of the things that will happen when a Mormon missionary comes over to your house, the first time they come over, they're going to share five, six verses out of a King James Bible. And maybe two out of the Book of Mormon. Maybe the Doctrines and Covenants. Maybe the Pearl of Great Price. But they'll sound really biblical. They'll open the door. And then the next time they'll come back, they're going to give you about three out of the Bible. And maybe three or four out of the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants. And then the next time they come back, you might get a Bible verse and everything will be out of the Book of Mormon. See, it's the same. We call that bait and switch. So here's what... Oh, yeah, well, we believe that, too. Yeah, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, the Jesus that appeared to Joseph Smith in upstate New York and the Jesus that went down and ministered to the Aztecs, the Incans, and the Mayans. The the same Jesus that declared that the Bible's been corrupted so it needs to be thrown out. You see, it's not the same Jesus. Because your Bible declares that when Jesus ascended, that he sits right now at the right hand of God the Father. And he ain't coming back until he comes back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, it all sounds really good. Orthodox, even. Except that Brigham Young himself stated, no man can or woman in this dispensation will ever enter the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Direct quote. I think my Bible says, No man sees the kingdom of heaven save Jesus Christ. Amen? There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. It's not because of some church, it's not because your marriage is sealed in the temple. And yet, Christians are going, I heard it all last election cycle. Well, you know, Mitt Romney's a Christian. No, he's not a Christian. He's a Mormon. He is a wonderfully nice guy, by the way. But he believes in the Mormon doctrine of salvation. He believes that you all will become gods. He believes, of course you can't because you're not in the Mormon church. (laughs) And I'm really in trouble. But it sounds Christian. It looks good. You watch that sweet family, and they're a wonderful family, by the way. Make sure that I'm really clear here. They are wonderful, nice people. They do great things for all kinds of folks. But they're lost. And the enemy is saying, well, wouldn't you rather be around somebody who's actually lost but does good things? You see how it works? The enemy tries to convince Christians. Well, they do more Christian stuff than Christians do. So maybe they're the real Christians. By the works of the flesh, 
No man is justified, is what your Bible says. You're saved by grace and through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, lest any of us boast. So anybody that tells you you've got to do anything to get saved is telling you another Jesus. You have to bow the knee. You have to confess the sin. That's for sure. But join anything? Do anything? Mm Mm-mm. So in saying all of this, let me show you how obvious this paradox is. A Mormon will tell you they're a Christian. Matter of fact, you get very upset when you say that they're not. And yet, they believe that God is an actual man who is a polygamist. Jesus had multiple wives, not just one. And he created lots of spirit babies, and those spirit babies populated this earth. That's how we got here. That's what they actually teach. Furthermore, they declare publicly that they believe in redemption through the cross. And yet they teach that the cross is not enough that you have to be baptized into the Mormon church. Or you cannot reach the third level of heaven. By the way, they have three. I get the one that's in the dirt. Actually, I'd be an apostate. I'm doomed. They don't believe in hell. Figment of man's imagination. They claim to believe the Bible is true. And yet, they teach categorically the very first lie of Satan. That you shall become a god. Satan is crafty in his wiles. And you need to be wise, family. Because there's a lot of folks wandering around the world that you come in contact with... And I've listened to the conversations where a Bible-believing Christian will sit with somebody, well, yeah, I think Mormons are Christians. No, they're not. Not if they believe the teachings of the Mormon church. They picked up their Bible and read John 3.16, actually gave their life to Jesus. That's a different matter. But the official teachings of the church makes them a cult. Satan is crafty. The reason that I'm sharing this with you is you must be wise to his ways. You see, he doesn't, hi, I'm Satan. I I like to share with you another testimony of how Jesus has worked in my life. Pretty crafty, isn't it? Don't be fooled. You see, the enemy's toolbox is very full. And here's some other things that it's full of. As we draw this to a conclusion this morning, you see, he uses fear. He uses doubt. He uses condemnation. He uses anxiety in your life. He uses depression and worry and hopelessness and evil thoughts, vanity, despair, hatred, worthlessness. He uses envy. He uses strife. He uses racism. He uses poverty. He uses gang equals family. He uses drugs equals happiness. He uses sex equals love. He's a liar. 
And he is not beyond using anything and everything he can to absolutely destroy you. Including some things that at least in your heart or your mind, you think, well, that's not so bad. You know, maybe that's the answer for me. You see, we're susceptible through our attachment to Adam, to that human nature. Remember, you're fighting a threefold enemy, a trinity, if you will, because there's the world, the system that is our world. There's your flesh. That means you're fighting you to some degree, amen? And the devil himself. And I want you to see this, that that deception that the enemy put forth, remember in the garden what he tempted Eve with. Well, God doesn't want you to be like he is. So that don't eat. he's telling you not to eat of that because the moment you do, you'll become like him. Isn't that what still attracts mankind today to most things? I'll be my own God. Or maybe I'll join this group and I can actually become a God. Or if I do this, if I have just enough money, I can become my own God. If I have enough power, I can become my own God. Sometimes I look at Donald Trump, he thinks he's his own God. Yeah, I'll pick on him too. No one is fair game. Can't get outside of it. Truth's truth, family. Got to speak it. Because some famous rich dude has a television show does not make him God. Amen? The world lies in that, in that tragic trap even to this day. And Satan masquerades around the world pretending he's an angel of light. He says, oh, no, I'm not going to harm you. So you drive over the hill to Las Vegas and you see, all that, you see the glow from like a hundred miles away, yeah? You drive in there and the fountains are going off and there's pirate ships and hey, I didn't know the Eiffel Tower was in Nevada. (laughs) Wow, this is awesome. And I can eat all day for 12 bucks. (laughs) Oh, you know, people are like, you know, an an our casino offers you 96% rate of return. No, that means that they're going to steal everything you have and they're going to let you think that you get to keep 4% of it. And they'll get that at the buffet. (laughs) Amen? Let me prove this to you. Lamar Odom. He believed the lie. Four-day bender in a brothel. He believed the lie. He believed that drugs, he believed that alcohol, he believed that sex, he believed that being there in that environment somewhere, somehow would fill the hole. You see, the enemy convinced him of the lie. Pray for him, please. Pray for him. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if God got a hold of his life? Wouldn't that be awesome? I think he pretty much knows that he got fed the lie. You see, we need the right weapons pointed the right way. Satan's not only strong, but he's subtle. 
Well, let me make it clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do. We have a fleshly existence. We live here on this earth. We go through stuff. We do not war according to the flesh. In other words, the, the war that we fight is not just one where you go out and battle with things and people and stuff. It's a spiritual battle. Notice what it says in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Amen? Casting down of arguments. Amen? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? Amen. Bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. You see, that's our position. Sufficient is the ability we have in Christ to wage the war. But we need to be very careful. And I want to leave you with two quick vignettes, two little stories to help you understand exactly how crafty the enemy will be. One comes from the Second World War. Major William Martin, who was actually not a major. He was actually not in the Royal Marines. He was actually a guy who ingested some rat poison, went into the hospital, got pneumonia, and died. But by the time his body was taken into the Mediterranean Sea on a British submarine, by the time they had made a uniform for him, cloaked him in that uniform, and put into his pocket a picture of his fiancée, along with the receipt for a wedding ring, and along with the plans for the Allied invasion of the southern part of Europe via the Mediterranean. You see, the Nazis had believed, because of the length of the coastline along Italy, that the attack would come in Italy. And so they had planned very well. They joined together with Benito Mussolini and had planned an entire defense of of the Mediterranean. And so when Major Martin's body, though he had actually died in London of pneumonia, coughed up on a beach in Spain... It looked as though he was carrying the plans for the Allied invasion. And in fact, even the photo he had in his pocket was actually of a secretary in the offices of MI5 in London. True story, you can actually watch the movie, a 1956 movie, The Man Who Never Was. But when he washed up on the shore, his body was found, dressed in a major in an officer's uniform. They obviously checked him out thoroughly. They found the plans, and so the Nazi army moved their forces to where the letter said it would be, to Greece and Sardinia. And so when the Allied forces finally did land in Italy, they eventually were successful, and the Nazis, it was the beginning of the end for them. The enemy is way more crafty than a dead dude in an officer's uniform. That's a pretty good deception, don't you think? You you see, the enemy works every angle and every single advantage that he can possibly get to try and destroy you. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, we already saw in verse 27, we're to give no place for the devil. We're not to give a beachhead to the enemy. Not some place where he can land in your life. My life. We need to take up the whole armor. You you see, we're supposed to be walking, remember, circumspectly, not as fools as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The enemy is out there trying to get us. 
say that to some secular psychologist or psychiatrist, they may think you're a little... But the fact of the matter is, we have a real enemy. One more very quick story for you. Probably many of you have seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia. If you haven't, it's a great movie. One of the very best that were ever filmed in Technicolor and Panavision. Remember that? When they used to say, Technicolor and Panavision. Now it's, you know, Dolby Surround Sound 97 plus HD, 3D. You know, it's just now, now everything is like the, you get smell-o-vision. <laughs> you, know, you get a little packet, you open it up. Oh, it smells like war. But back in the day, especially when this movie was made in 1962, incredible panoramic views of the, of the desert. And if you remember the basic story there, this is 1917. It's a time when the world is at war again, First World War. And there, T.E. Lawrence, played by Peter O'Toole, takes up the cause of these Arab nomads, these renegades who are fighting against the Turks who have taken over the port city of Aqaba. And if you look at the Saudi Peninsula, and if you look at the Sinai very specifically, it used to be called during that day the Anvil of the Sun. It is still the world's most inhospitable stretch of land. It is a desert that has no equal really on the earth. There are only 37 different types of plant life on the entire Arabian Peninsula. And they're all weeds. Hot, 120s during the summer. You think it was hot here? But you see that Turks were destroying the Arab Bedouins that were in that land. And so T.E. Lawrence gathered them together and said, we'll make up a fighting force. And so in the defense of Aqaba, they trained. And in the movie, you'll actually see this giant naval guns mounted on the hillsides all around the port city of Aqaba, facing out to sea. Because it was believed that the only way an attack could come would be from the sea because no one would be crazy enough to go across the anvil of the sun. No force could ever march across hundreds of miles of sand desert. And then in one of the final scenes in that movie, here comes Lawrence of Arabia with an army on horseback and on camels. And they came from the anvil of the sun and they rode right past those giant naval guns. They were defenseless. The port city was lost. The Turks lost the war. The Lawrence was a hero. You see, the enemy knows which way your guns are pointed. He's not going to attack you well, where you are well defended. He's going to attack you where you're not looking. That may even be an area of strength. He's wise. His methodia are very wiry. He, he will find a place in your life where you're looking out to see and he'll come in the back door. He'll put a dead body on your doorstep if necessary. But until the Lord finally chains him up and tosses him in the pit... You can count on being in a battle. Be wise to his plans. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in you lies all the wisdom of the universe. And Lord, we can come to you and simply seek you to know what is the truth. And so, Father, we ask that you would 
Make us wise to the enemy's plans. We pray that you'd unveil them, unveil them and, and spring those traps where they've been set in our lives. Lord, help us to turn around and look behind. Help us to look forward and above. God, we, we don't know where the attack may come from, but we know that the enemy seeks whom he may devour. And so, God, we place our lives afresh and anew in your hands. We ask now as we head out of this building and, and off to the fight, God, that we wouldn't miss, God, those areas where the enemy maybe is going to come after us. That we'd be prepared, girded up, armored. Lord, we thank you that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And we ask, God, that you would steal us with great resolve. Lord, in these last days, to stand fast. And Lord, help us to do everything we can to stand fast. So we bless you. We praise you. We thank you. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.